What's happening, crew? Mr. Eric right here. That's if you know me. If you don't, hey, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm the host of the Disco Posse podcast, and you are about to hear a great conversation with Alan Grego. Alan is one of those folks who I've been lucky enough to know for many years. We were actually in a band together, but this is a great thing because we got a chance to go beyond what we do in our home time and talk about what he does, where he turned his love of podcasting into a full-time career. So he works with the team at Moneris, and he is the creator of two fantastic uh, media podcasts, not only award-nominated, but award-winning. How cool is that? So you can hear about how he approaches that challenge, what drew him to do this, the move towards making it a full-time opportunity, how he created that opportunity, and really just Alan's a great, great guy, and I, I really enjoyed talking with him. So I hope you like it as much as I did, and uh, let's get to that. Oh, right, by the way, speaking of turning your hobby into a job, I am super happy because I am able to be able to do the stuff like this because of great supporters like the folks at Shift Group that make this possible. Why is that important? Because if you've got any kind of technology company, whether it's an early stage startup, enterprise technology, you need a forward-facing sales team that can deliver results, that can connect with clients, and that can do it at a level that is elite. How do you do that? JR and his team at the Shift Group take elite professionals in athletics, and they turn them into elite professionals in technology sales. Using playbooks and methods and continuous education, JR creates a full, true, consultative approach to hiring the right people and actually giving you the opportunity to create a true sales culture that's customer-obsessed and delivers real results. So go to shiftgroup.io, check it out, and uh, make sure you let them know old Disco Posse sent you if you haven't talked to the folks over there. So very, very cool. Uh, also, JR's been on the podcast, so whip on back and, and check out his previous episodes. Secondarily to that, not that they're secondary, because... You want to make sure that this is primary in your mind. You got technology? You got data? I know you do, because you're listening to this. You got an iPhone. You probably got some kind of Office 365. You Maybe you got a server somewhere. Heck, you work somewhere. They've got data centers. They've got cloud services. They've got email. They've got Salesforce. How are you backing that up? Well, I can tell you how you should back it up with the fine folks at Veeam. So Veeam Software is doing amazing stuff around true data protection, everything you need for your data protection needs across the board, whether it's cloud, cloud native, whether it's on-premises, whether it's virtualized, even physical servers, they cover the gamut, and rightly so. They've been doing this a long time, and as they head into Veeam on their next really cool conference, which is happening in Miami, well, hey, if you can't get there, check it out online. They're going to have lots of great sessions. So you want to go to vee.am forward slash discoposse, and you can find out all about what they're doing over at Veeam. So go check it out. All right, let's get to the good stuff. This is Alan Grego on the Disco Posse podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego. I'm the host of the Yes, We Are Open and Shop Talk with Meneer's podcast, and you are listening to the Disco Posse podcast. Fantastic. 
Professional podcasters are so easy to host because I know you got this even better. We did multiple takes, which I may just have already thrown on the front of the video just for funsies because that's that's how we roll. I always love when you could do the like the the blooper reel as as kind of part of it. And and believe me, as somebody who does video podcast or video podcasts and video training, if I kept the number of cutting room floor like takes I've got where I'm like all right, what we're going to start with is, uh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've sworn into the microphone uh, as I hit, you know, re-record so many times. So uh, so thank you. All right. We, we, yes, we are open right now. It is starting. Al Grego, nice to have you here. We've been talking before on a few different things and we've, mm. we've got some fun history together. We'll unpack. So Al, for folks that are new to you, uh, give a quick introduction and uh and talk about what you're doing at Moneris, and then we'll we'll dive into why I think that's pretty wicked cool, as the Boston people would say. Okay. Well, my name is Al Grego, and I'm I can't say I can't believe I can say this, but I'm I'm a podcaster. I mean, that's what I do for a living, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, so a couple of years ago, if you'd asked me, you know, what I saw, you know, what where I saw my my position or my job going in five years I couldn't have guessed that it would have been podcasting because that's that was a hobby and it was something I really wanted to do uh for fun but I never thought I'd get paid for it when it's interesting if we think of like the you hear about the people that talk about you know surveys of you know what do you want to do when you grow up and they (laughs) recently did one a couple years back and it became a little viral just because people are like, instead of like doctor, lawyer, fire, you know, fireman, you know, police uh, representative, whatever, the usual players that you see show up and no one puts in like, you know, system analysts. Like that's just like, <laughs> no, you know, it, it was funny that in North America and in the UK, the number one selection was YouTuber and it right. upset so many people because they're like youtubers not a job and like oh well au contraire mon ami it actually is a very fertile industry that also yes. has a lot of challenges which is why it's tough to get to the point where you can say hey i'm a content creator i'm a youtuber like youtubers used like a pejorative but meanwhile yeah. i would say what you are is you're a content creator the medium that you choose is youtube whether it's vlog video podcast streamer whatever it is but that's a very valid thing and then so podcaster you know you are effectively a content creator and an engagement expert you know or an engagement you know whatever the thing is like analyst like the it's not just about creating webinars it's about creating engagement through a unidirectional medium. It's yeah, it's, it's well put. And I mean, and in my company anyway, and I think in most companies, that puts you in marketing. That's, that puts you in the marketing right. team. Um, you know, I came from 20 years of uh, corporate training uh, and uh, looking to get out of it. But as a, as a tool, I used podcasting as an engagement tool in training before I moved over to the marketing side of things. Uh, and that's how I was discovered by my, you know, by my bosses saying, hey, we want to do something at Moneris. Uh, you know, we want a podcasting strategy at Moneris because we're this this thing about 
branded podcasts is becoming a thing. Um, and normally we would hire a, a firm or, or an agency to do it, but we noticed that you have an interest and an aptitude for it. Would you like to do it? And I was like, yeah. And because I was, I was, I mean, again, 20 years in corporate training, I was kind of getting burnt out looking for something else. Uh, and who, you know, it was amazing when that opportunity came and I, of course I jumped at it, but you're right. Like, uh, the, the is with, especially with branded podcasts, which is kind of, which is what I do, um, is to me, how do you make something that isn't just a commercial for your company? Because who's going to want to listen to that? Like more than like five minutes. And then like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, it's, you, you need a, to find a, like a, a, a niche or, or you, you need to find a, something that'll keep their interest and, and inter- entertain them. That's, that's the key right there is entertainment or else, if it's not entertaining, then why would they listen? Uh, right. You know? So, um, yeah, we did that. Well, we're trying to do that. I mean, we did that pretty successfully with the, yes, we are open and we're working on the shop talk to do the same thing. Um, and, uh, it's been great so far. It's, we've been, you know, at it for a couple of years now and, uh, it's, uh, it's really been working. And, and again, like you'll hear more and more the, the term branded podcasts and, and they're, they're exploding. Like, you know, most big corporations, not most, but I mean, many big corporations have them now. Uh, but, but the key is like, what makes, what makes yours better than yours? And why would somebody listen to, cause, cause the Holy grail for any podcaster is to be added to somebody's playlist. Right. Right. Yes. I show up in a subscription somewhere. Like I, I, they care yeah. enough to subscribe. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the toughest part, right? The one time listens, I mean, you're always going to try for those. And those are the ones that cost money because you're constantly having to remind people, whether it's through social media, whether it's through uh, Google paid ads or advertise, Hey, here's a, an episode about this topic that you should really be interested in. And maybe they'll listen and, but then they'll forget about you right away unless they subscribe. So the subscription is the, is that Holy grail that all podcasters are trying to get, but it's also, I mean, being a, a love an enthusiast of podcasts myself my playlist is very valuable and and right. it's at a point now where if i'm going to add something i need to remove something and that's a big decision that i'm going to make and it's so you better have something really good or else um i'm it's not going to happen right yeah there's this interesting kind of going to go into marketing terms because this is how <laughs> we have to sort of think of it and i'll say this is the the science behind the anecdotal proof. And I think you and I both come from this idea that like as a blogger, you know, when SEO became a thing, mm-hmm. I I had this initial resistance to thinking of it as the goal versus thinking of it as a result. And it was funny because then we hired an SEO specialist and their function was to tell me what to write about and what words to use. And so my sort of nasty, well, not nasty, but I was, I said, the reason that I do what I do is not because I need SEO. I am SEO. Like SEO was a a result of measuring stuff that was being done without science behind it. Right. We realized there was science within it. And Mm -hmm. so we started to measure it. And then unfortunately it became the thing that you measured. Podcasting is a very interesting thing in the same way that you don't think of it as a conversion, right? So we think of like funnel, like, so we get the listener, like they just like awareness 
they listened, they clicked on it, whether they engaged with a LinkedIn snippet or they watched it on YouTube or they listened to it on, on their podcast, you know, page of choice or, or their syndication platform of choice. Then the next layer is they've subscribed or they've, you know, liked it. They've engaged with it somehow. So they're active. I'll say it. So that's engagement. So they like shared it or done other, some activity. Then the next one down is subscriber. Like, ah, okay, cool, cool. Right. And, but there's no, I bought a thing. Right. And this is the problem that anytime you attach science and metrics and funnels and conversions, at some point they're going to say, how is this attributable and measurable towards conversions? And what's the metric of conversion? At that point, you're like, then you do not want to be looking at podcasting because it's really risky to say like someone listened to the podcast and thus they signed up for a thing. But it's an awareness play. And it's also just a, my position is it's a really fantastic way to just show the personality that they, we have, this company has eyebrows. We're yeah. more than just data on a screen. There's a there's mm-hmm. a story to be told. And this is the story of our customer community, our community. That's what's even better. But the, what I love about the style you've chosen, so I'm going on because it's, I literally mm-hmm. just came out of a metrics meeting talking about funnel attribution, which is yep. which is kind of funny. You have chosen a method that works because it's something that you would listen to because it's a human story being told that happens to say, hey, they happen to be customers of ours, yep. but this is what they do that's fantastic. Well, and that's the funny thing. The yes, we were open. You're talking about yes, we were open, and that's for sure. Like when when I was first kind of thinking, okay, what what's our niche? What, what are we going to do here? We need it. Obviously we need an awareness play or, or a thought leadership uh, show, which is shop talk because I mean, Monero. So for those of you, your, your audience is predominantly, I think in the U S Moneris is the, the, the number one payment processor in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so- if, you, if you've swiped a card, you've yes. Moneris has, knows who you are. <laughs> exactly. And so Moneris, uh, you know, we have all the payment terminals that uh, we have, uh, our partnerships with all the credit cards and 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 uh, our two parent banks, uh, you know, it's a big you know big business, uh, and we we help small businesses. We have na- national uh, uh, businesses up here. Uh, you know, we're number one. So because we're number one, we should be leading the conversation on a lot of things payment related. We should be the experts. We should be known as the experts. So that's what shop talk is. Just shop talk. I interview our partners and I interview experts in the field and we talk about that and that's geared toward, and the value we we give there hopefully is if you're an entrepreneur or somebody who's thinking about starting a small business, I mean, you, you, you're, you're thinking big ideas. You're thinking of whatever you're you know, whatever your business is, uh, maybe one of the last few things you have to consider is, well, how am I going to get paid? How am I going to receive money from my customers and my clients? And generally, you know, you open a business account at a bank and then the bank might recommend this or that. Uh, so we're there to, you know, okay, here, here's what you need to think about. You need to, if you're going to do an online business, you know, an e-commerce or or a, a web store, you need to think about fraud prevention and and cybersecurity. You need to think about that. If you're a brick and mortar store, you know, what kind of payment terminal do you want and what kind of, uh, uh, you know, ancillary products would you need? You know, do you want to use gift cards or all sorts of things? You know, is there tap, swipe, dip, all that stuff? Um, 
So we try to kind of talk about those things in a general way. Again, we're trying not to be just a, a, a 15 minute long con- a commercial about Moneris. We, we bring out, we bring on experts. We bring on our partners to talk about it. Visa, MasterCard, Royal Bank, uh, Bank of Montreal. We've had them all on count, um, you know, and, and we have also uh, a segment where we actually share data. We have a lot of data. I mean, because we're number one in the country, we have a lot of data of where, you know, consumer spending data. And uh, so we, we share that to show trends. Uh, so that, so that's shop talk and that's kind of what we do. It's a monthly podcast where we, we offer all this great information for anybody who's got a small business, but yes, we were open was the other side of that. It's our merchants. It's our customers. We're just telling their story. And in that, I mean, I almost never mention Moneris. Right? We want to focus on them. And, you know, I've interviewed uh, gyms. I've interviewed, you know, I interviewed a lady who makes dog biscuits and sells them at markets. Right. And, but everyone's got a great personal story. And so that's where we bring in not just people who are interested in business and entrepreneurship, but they're just interested in good human interest stories. Um, and the way we do it, every episode has three parts. We talk about the origin, how they started. We talk about one, what their greatest struggle was and how they came, you know, uh, how they survived that. Because some, in some cases, especially in the last couple of years, some people got, you know, were almost shut down. But I wanted to focus on the positive stories because, you know, that's where we're going to learn a lot of lessons too. What do they do to come out of it and to survive? And then the third part is their outlook, their future outlook. How does it look for the future for their business? And uh, we wrap it up in a nice little package. And uh, so far it's been, well, I mean, we've won an award, so it's been really fun. <laughs> well, and let's talk about that. Cause that is mm-hmm. like, this is an under-recognized area and it's difficult to kind of think about that as a, as a target. Right. But it's really you've done it and and this yeah. is let's talk about the award and sort of like what that how how did the process go see we're both canadian we can say process, process. <laughs> uh so how did the process and that whole project go uh uh and what's it a boot <laughs> well i mean you know once you, you like part of you know getting it getting your podcast in front of as many years as possible there's a bunch of stuff right you have to promote you have to use social you have to do this you have to do that obviously awards are, are another way like if you can say that you're an award-winning podcast and that that really helps at least your credibility and at least getting you in front of certain amount of ears and so i i kept my you know eyes open for credible you know organizations that that you know every, every kind of every industry has their own <laughs> recognition right whether it's a you know awards or or, or you know, industry awards, but, uh, so podcasting happens. There's like a million of different organizations that say, Hey, we, you know, the Ambies, the, uh, the shorties, the, uh, there's so many, I can't even think of what they are now, but, um, the one that I focused on was the Canadian podcasting awards because it's Canadian and we're a Canadian podcast. And, uh, uh, I thought, well, it's a good place to start. So I mean, and I had no expectation because the other thing about these things, usually they become their popularity contests, right? Right. Yeah, How many people can you get to click the survey that you uh, post exactly. on social? Right. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like this is because you know, in in the in the submission process, they asked for you know episodes and and so the, people were listening to your submissions, and it wasn't a vote. They they do have one category which is a, a vote, 
or the I think it, I forget what it, the the podcast of the year or whatever that one there they open up to the public, but for the Canadian Podcasting Awards, people who who nominate have to be members, um, and people who vote have to be members. So it's all community run and and supported, and in the end, in the end, you don't know like who's judging. Like it's it doesn't matter. Like. You, you can't put your way? thumb on the wheel, so to speak. Oh, right? you, you really can't. You, you can't pad the stats. It 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 disappears into a void. And then later on, you find out. Uh, I found out literally at the awards ceremony. And it was an online ceremony, which is funny. So it's an online ceremony. So a couple months be- ahead of time, they email me saying, hey, you're, you're nominated for these two categories. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Wow, I can't believe we got nominated. So now I can put award-nominated podcast on my yeah, yeah. on our, our, our uh, credentials. And they said, can you please record two separate acceptance videos in case you win? Because they're going to, you know, they're going to have to play something when they announce you on on the show. So I'm having to sit here now in in this studio here and say, thank you so much for the award that I don't know if I won or not. And uh, I'd like to thank these people. And then I had to do a second one, slightly different, but but not acknowledging about the first one because you never know what anyway you can't say like wow i can't believe we won two awards and like you didn't win two awards (laughs) oh no and so that was kind of an interesting uh you know bit of acting that i had to do but anyway in the end uh uh like i said we were sitting there watching the web on youtube watching the the web show and uh the first one category we're nominated and we didn't win i'm like okay whatever I, i had zero expectation because again, it was our first time submitting, no idea about the, the the process. But then the second award came out, and and I'd won. And then here, there's my video playing of my acceptance, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god!" And and my <laughs> wife and my kids are like, "Wow, that's great!" And it was like this whole thing. But um, yeah, so it was one of those things where you know, part of my strategy for promoting it is trying to get some award consideration and that's what we did and luckily we we won the first year it was weird um but um you know i'm grateful obviously and it's been it's been kind of a a lot of fun and hopefully we can win some uh, now the big question is oh you had a big year last year what are you going to do to top that this year is it the uh is it freshman luck are you going to face the sophomore curse here uh whatever we'll still have fun with it i mean uh, just the production of it uh, yeah, again, I'm I'm a podcaster for a living. It's crazy. Like uh, when yesterday we were open, I get to travel across the country, interviewing people in, in their place of business. It's been so much fun. Well, first of all, congratulations! It's Thank earned you. and deserved. You know that putting putting a quality, listenable, watchable product out into the world. It's not, you know, there's literally millions of podcasts. Right. You know, I know I see the stats, which, you know, are various levels of chicanery <laughs> in how where they they but I like looking at the the metrics that that I get measured by, you know, mm-hmm. which I, same thing. I was like, so my my logo, if anybody always sees the logo for the podcast, it says Disco Posse podcast top rated. Right. So I I produced that logo about. 34 episodes in when I actually just rebranded it as my podcast. I actually started it as a corporate podcast right? with the sort of same kind of idea of like, let's talk to people that are people of interest mm-hmm. and people of impact. That's how I said. So my, my POI people of interest. So what, what's a story that would capture me 
enough that I would want to sit down next to this conversation if it were happening in a restaurant. It's one of, like that's my the way I described it. Is that thing if you heard somebody talking next to you and you would find yourself doing this and suddenly listening to them as much as the person across from you. And that's like a fantastic feeling when you can get that engagement. And then people of impact also like there's usually a story within the story like, hey, we're here because we happen to be you're in our customer community or you're you know in our in our you know some kind of a of a community but like there's something in there where you're like oh wow what do you do you know oh you're you're a merchant right but what do you sell oh you yeah. sell things that as a result of 14% of your sales go towards this charity and like oh why did you choose that charity oh because your son you lost your son to leukemia at 8 and you're like so this person is now doing this, you know, seemingly random thing, but you've really found the purpose and the impact. And that makes that story so compelling. Again, like, so there's science and data and metrics. And, you know, as Bill Hicks would say, if you're in marketing, I need you to kill yourself. Like, it's just like, like this, this sort of ire and anger that we have to measure things, but it's like the, we measure it because we can see certain levels of measurement, but you just it's engaging. And it like, I care about this conversation. I care about the person that I'm listening to all the way through it. And at the end, and I want to learn more, you know, do we go further? Who knows? But like yeah. it's up it's, against millions of people, how do you like diff that is a differentiation, yeah. which is rare. Yeah. And I, I lucked out. I, I mean, I kind of stole the idea from a CBC show to begin with. Right. So, uh, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, you know, CBC up in Canada, there's a show called uh, Still Standing. And it's a show where uh, some they have a, a comedian who travels across the country and visits small down and out towns, towns that maybe had were relied on one industry and that industry shut down, whether it's mining or automotive or whatever. And then he spends a week there getting to know the locals and finding out what they're doing to, to you know, improve their 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 lot in life there and and, and improve the local economy. And then they put a show around that. And so when, you know, when I was thinking of the concept for Yes, We Are Open, same thing is like, okay, I'm going to do that, but for small businesses, because, you know, we were just getting into the pandemic. So I knew there was going to be lots of stories about that. But again, I didn't want to focus on negative. I wanted to tell positive stories because there's already way too much negative around right. um, in the news and stuff. So uh I lucked out. I mean, <clears throat> some of the stories I've been able to tell have been so much fun. Like I was up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, uh, interviewing this electrical contractor and it was a family run business. It was a father who got it from, you know, it was passed down from the grandfather. And now he has two, two children running, helping him run the business. He himself survived a couple of plane crashes when, cause he was a bomber in the, in world war two or something, or, you know, and, so there, that was a great story, but the, and usually the story is about the pandemic, but in this case, their story of struggle was when their youngest uh, fell into a campfire and suffered burns and they had to be at the hospital in Saskatoon. And he, and it was like, you know, they had to run the business while doing that. So there's a really personal family story there that I, I felt blessed that I've got to tell. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, We're, this isn't a business podcast. This is a, you know, we're, we're talking about people who, you know, are talking about realizing their dreams of, of being, you know, self-employed, like, you know, I mean, you know what you're doing, uh, same thing, right? You're realizing a dream. Yes. It, it so ha happens to coincide with business, but it's more than that. 
And the more personal the story is, the more interesting it is. And those are usually the ones that really do well as well. Like I almost like we, we won the award for outstanding business series, but I would have been much happier if we won outstanding storytelling or outstanding doc or something. Right. Because that's, that's yeah, yeah. the tone I'm going for each time. Right. And well, to tell you like that, that is the, that's the tough nut to crack because what you've got is even in the same way, like the Cannes Film Festival, you know, they started at like to honor like independent film creators and like, this isn't independent. This was like, it was Hugh Jackman and (laughs) it was, and it was Ryan Reynolds financing it. And you're like, I don't know that I would call this independent. Like it may not have been a Miramax film, but like you've got way too much kind of credibility and you get a lot of these podcast awards around like the highly produced podcasts, and there's the different styles, right? Like mine is conversational. So very different style. I'm never going to go up against that. So you've, you've got this kind of the, the field you're against at that point is people that have massive production teams. They're hiring, you know, high-end producers, fully edit like they all this stuff is going on and it's like but you're doing that without that like you have done something that i believe is the the casey neistat of like i I go on the road i go on the road with this thing (laughs) magic of the zoom recorder right zoom recorder uh, Plop it on the table. <laughs> I show up at somebody's business. We spend, uh, depending on the business, like that that one fan, the one electrical contractor. I spent the whole day there, uh, and just kind of recorded sounds and recorded the interviews with with the father, the mother, the the daughter, the son, um, and then uh, came home with probably three or four hours of of audio that I had to boil down to twenty five minutes. But yeah, I mean, I've got support from my team at Moneris in terms of, you know, uh, helping me find the merchants to tell the story. I've got a great artist who does all the artwork, but yeah, everything else I, I do, right. I edit, I write, I, I, uh, record interview and stuff. And it's been, so it's, it's a challenge. You're right. Like I'm, I'm doing that and I'm competing with companies you know, agencies that are, you're, that you're are, up against CBC and CTV yeah. and like, that's like, that in the states here, of course, we've got like the top podcast. I mean, let's take off the the top ten because yeah. they're they're they just doesn't doesn't move right. But then you go into the the story, the the highly produced ones, and it's ABC Productions, NBC Productions. So like, yeah. yeah, seriously, this is what I'm competing against. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the good thing is there it is kind of democratized in the fact that. I can put out a, a a product that sounds just as good as what they do. Um, totally. Yeah. So it, then it comes down to the stories we tell uh, yeah, my aptitude. Like we we've talked about this in the past, you know, just having a, a broad background in all kinds of media helps doing this. Right. Because yeah. I do have the audio engineering background. I do have the love for radio, but I also have a little bit of visual back, you know, background in terms of, uh, um, visual editing and and arts and stuff so putting it all together helps me and and i again i'm an enthusiast of podcasting i've been listening to podcasts since they were termed podcasts you know 2003 2005 whenever that right right 
Um, so I've, I've been listening. I'm a student of it because I love it. You know, I'm listening to the first, you know, This American Life and Smodcast and Adam Carolla, all the pioneers, the ones who've been doing it are still doing it. Mark Marin. Yeah. Um, and you learn from that and then you absorb that. And uh, I mean, forever I wanted to do on my own. And it took it took a long time for me to actually do it. It took a pandemic to get me to do it um, per, you know, personally as, as a passion project, but then also professionally. So uh, I've been really blessed and really lucky. I, I feel like everything's kind of come to this culminated and this is what I'm meant to be doing right now, which is great. Well, it, that's the interesting thing now. This is a cart horse chicken egg challenge, <laughs> right? In in an organization that's, you know, they obviously have a, a traditional corporate organization. I, well, I don't know if you'd say traditional, but like, anyways, you're a, you're a pretty, it's a pretty big shop. Yeah. Where they've effectively got every channel that they need to, to engage customers. They've got, they've got all that stuff sorted out when and how does this moment, this thing come up where they're like a podcast would be a good idea. Mm -hmm. How much was a push? How much was a, you heard how much was a, a poll? It's a like, zero push, zero push. Uh, because again, it takes good leadership too, right? Like, so we have a great leader, uh, great leaders uh, in, at Moneris. And, and I always credit Moneris actually rewinding a bit for saving my career because I was in a, a previous company. I was really unhappy. I thought I was going to have to get out of corporate training at the time and didn't know where to go. Thought I was unhirable and Moneris took a chance on me. And I had five, five good years of corporate training there. And again, I started incorporating podcasting into what I was doing for engagement and for better communication. And somebody took notice. And that was the, the chief uh, sales and marketing officer of the company who it was his vision that he thought we needed, you know, Moneris needed a podcast uh, or a podcast uh, strategy. And right. uh, normally what they would do would they'd go to an agency and say, Hey, what can you do for us? Right. Um, but you know, at the time, and, and even to this day, they've been doing a lot of stuff, more stuff in-house. They want to internalize the production because it's just, it just made sense for, for, for us. Um, so it just so happened. I was interviewing him for that internal podcast that I was doing for training. And when we were done the interview, he, we just started chatting. He's like, oh, I've been thinking about doing, you know, we should probably have a podcast. And I said, yes, we should. Yeah. And I was even going to introduce him to Toronto Mike, who's a friend of mine and my mentor in, in the podcasting world. Um, and he said, well, what about you? I'm like, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> like, would you be interested in that? I'm, Absolutely. Of course I would. I, I thought maybe you wanted somebody who already, you know, with proven track record or whatever. And he's like, no, like uh, you, you seem to have a passion for it. I feel like if you hire the right people to, with the passion, they're going to yield great results. That was him. That was all him. Yeah. And fast forward a, a year later, because, you know, that that conversation happened. And then a year later, it was a rough year for me. And and I think the pandemic was just starting up, but I was, I was already thinking about uh, maybe I need a change. And so I emailed him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of a change. Um, I'd really love to stay in the company, but I'm, I'm kind of burnt out from what I'm doing. Were you serious about the whole podcasting thing? He said, yes, of course I was. L don't do anything without, you know, let me know. And, uh, yeah. And, so, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, maybe six months later, I was, uh, I moved from training to marketing and, uh, here I am. And it's been like the best 
career change I've I've had. It's been great. You said something that was very specific and it, it, people may not catch it, right? Is that there's a difference between starting a podcast and having a podcast strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different thing. It's like, I remember, you know, at one point I had my CIO came up to me one time when I was at, at a financial services company and uh, like, you look at my LinkedIn, it was Raymond James. <laughs> great company. Uh, and they, they, he comes to me and he says, hey, I think we need a QR code. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I get that maybe you read that somewhere or it's like somebody handed you a business card and it had a QR code. I'm like, do you need a QR code or do you need a strategy of engagement where a QR code is a way in which to it's reach tool. Yeah. that engagement, yeah. right? Yeah. And that, so people quite often are like, hey, I like pod- I like podcasts. We need to, we need a podcast in the same way that, Hey, I like cycling. So guess what GTM Delta sponsors, Mm -hmm. right? Cycling teams, because that's why, what I care about, I am injecting 100% of my personal opinion on it, but as a strategy, what's that outreach include? Is it a way to, you know, do something? So let's talk about the difference between we need a podcast and we need a podcast strategy. Right. So again, I'm new to marketing. I'm learning about the funnel, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm learning all these new terms and and stuff. And I and I'm aware that the podcasting strategy is part of that funnel. It's the awareness part. It's the top of the funnel. What I what what it became later on is it, it also became part of the bottom of the funnel too, in terms of retention. But that's kind of that's a, a happy accident from. Yes, we were open anyway because we're we were focusing on our our merchants and featuring them and spotlighting them, and that made them more um, uh, loyal to us. But it also other merchants started saying, "Hey, how do we get part of that? How do we become right. part of?" It? So it also became a bit of a sales tool. We actually have some people. Oh, can you do a podcast on my business? I'm like, well, if you're a Moneris merchant, yes. And it's like we're not, but so and then we, we have some of those leads coming in as well. But yeah, so I had to you know, think of a strategy. And I, and I, so I came up with these two ideas for shows and I had to, you know, present it to my manager, to my director, to, to ultimately to the chief sales and marketing officer, say, here's what we'll do. And here's why we should do it. And here's my plan and my vision. And, and, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and re- revising and stuff until we came, you know, landed on the final two uh, concepts and, We've been doing that for a couple of years now. So yeah, you're right. We I needed to come. It wasn't just okay. I can produce you something, no problem. Let's do it. And uh, and and uh, here it is. No, we there was uh, you know a lot of um, back and forth and a lot of you know me presenting my vision and then having it revised and stuff. And in the end, something that everyone was happy with. And uh, so it was great. I mean, it, it didn't take a whole lot of because th- there was a lot of trust. I mean, the leadership at, at my company. I'm sure everyone said well. Maybe not everyone says the same thing, but <laughs> Sadly, very few actually. <laughs> you're right, you're the more right. I talked to it, I realized we're in a rare, a rare group of lucky yeah. folks. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I, uh, the culture at Moneris is, is a great one. And, and uh, we have some, I've had, I've been blessed with really good leadership there um, and leadership that allowed me to try things and fail fast and, and, you know, revise and do all the, all the, all the, all those agile uh yeah. catchphrases um we're we're definitely uh you know something that you know, is something that Moneris incorporates uh, and, and is trying to do more of so 
we tried it. And uh, again, the first uh, couple of seasons, yes, we were open, you know, we're, you know, well-received, but, you know, we, we revised, we, we, we tried to make it better. We, and especially our promotion strategy, you know, getting it out there and it started advertising another podcast and stuff. I mean, it, you know what it is, you know, how, what it takes to get, uh, and again, there's that Holy grail. We want subscriptions. Right. And, right. and that's the hardest thing to get, especially when it's, when you're talking about the kind of stuff we're talking about business, there's a, that's a very specific audience. Um, so shop talk is one that it's, it's fallen a little, you know, it's not quite as, as, um, successful as yes, we were open yet because yes, we were open doesn't just appeal to businesses and entrepreneurs. It appeals to people who like good stories. Uh, and shop talk is specifically for, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners who, who want that data. Right. So there's a, there's a little bit more work to do there. But what you're effectively doing is you're creating a network. Let's sort of like a, a broadcast network. Mm-hmm which has the ability to in itself morph expand experiment and it it is something that they are willing by the sounds of it to to give you the the space to do and and that's you know that in itself like so i mean my podcast started with i was like hey i want to just talk to people that i know in the industry and mm-hmm. it'll likely generate some people listening and so it's good brand association. And yep. so it was, uh, but I, and I did it based on our technology community, which was an open community. You don't have to be a customer to be a part of it. You could just be, mm-hmm. you know, engaged in it, or you could just be a person in the tech industry. And so I had this idea of like adjacent marketing by brand trust. So they say like, I like what these people are talking about. Oh, where do they work? Oh, okay, cool. What do they do? Yeah. So there is a, a, you know, an awareness play that's in there, but then at some point, what ended up happening? Because we were a super metrics-driven company. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's astounding what you can do when you're that evolved as a, a sales organization. Yeah, and so we had very clear attribution of everything. So it came to the question of like, hey, you're twenty episodes in, or twenty-five episodes, I think, is when when I. They said, how, how are we able to measure like how this stuff gets converted? And I was like, you yeah. can't, right? There's no, like, there's no HubSpot connector for it. There's no Salesforce engagement. It was, I mean, you could, if they go to a web page to play the episode, that's one thing, but yeah. it's so abstracted away from meaningful metrics as far as pipeline, you know, and, and stuff go, it's really difficult. What, but what ended up happening was we were getting anecdotal, real reference. People were like, oh, hey, cool, yeah, uh, you know, I would get on a on a call just to help out for te- a tech question, and they'd be like, oh yeah, I listen to uh, your podcast you guys have, mm-hmm. and the sales team was like, hey, this is really cool, but then when it came, like, okay, we're going to invest time and money in it, so Eric's spending his time. What's his time worth? Yeah. What's our way to say he's spending this much time and it generates this much revenue? And there wasn't, there was just a chasm. There was no way to measure it. So they said, hey, we're just going to pull, you know, just let's just move on to other medium by which we can do it. So it was a win for me because I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, but I'm, I've still got more people queued up 
So I'm just going to rebrand it. And just so I did yeah. and it worked out, but so the faith was there to give an experiment opportunity and I did the experiment. And then what was ironic is over time, it actually it ended up doing exactly the same thing because I was there and they're like, Hey, I listened to the podcast and I'm engaging with partners. I'm talking to technologists. I'm talking to people in the industry. So yeah. we still got the brand association, even though it was mine at that point, but that's because I was very tightly tied to it. But again, so the pre reason I go on that thing is measurability, attribution, all this crazy marketing goop that we got to deal with. There's a faith exercise and a trust in your product, in your ability to generate a conversation, a story that they love to hear told about somebody, you know, and because yeah. it's very easy for you as well, just to get like, we can get weird associations of like, Hey, do are are we talking about specific types of customers or like, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's a very specific yeah, it's a very specific challenge. I think we're always, well, not always, but I mean, for we're going to have for a very long time as podcasters is that are, are showing the ROI. Because really the only measurement we have, the big one is downloads, right? And yeah. because it's, the for, it's, it's a medium, it's a channel based on an open uh, um, RSS. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know format. when someone downloads it. Like if, you know, I get X number of downloads, was that yeah. me downloading the three devices for the same listener? Yeah. There's no way to track. Cause it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a technology based on an open RSS standard, unless you have a closed in uh, a closed uh, um, uh, loop environment, like a Spotify does, or like a, or like a YouTube does where they can give you hard numbers. Here's how many followers you have. And here's right. how, even down to who's listening. Like I, I spent way too much time watching, you know, how many people are listening throughout my episode and where, where they drop off. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to, to look at and, and can be obsessive, but uh, those stats again are still only reflective of who's listening to the podcast, not on conversions, right? So you have to do things like UTMs, but no one uses show notes. Oh, there's a link in the show notes, but no one, no one links through the show notes because you're listening to it on your personal device, right? So yeah. those those are pretty useless. So you, you you're basically going on anecdotal evidence, right? Uh, for example, Shop Talk, all, our partners all want to be on it, <laughs> which is great. There's like, yeah. oh, we when can we be on it again? So amazing. So that's helping there. Uh, but yeah, yes, we were open. It's it's you know the award is and helpful and our charts sometimes you know the apple charts and spotify charts are are nice but um in terms of and and every once in a while we'll get somebody saying hey we want to be on it and uh we might be willing to switch to moneris to do that i'm like great but uh other than that yeah it's kind of it's a bit of a leap of faith but it's also i mean again i'm a team of one it's not like they're spending we don't have a massive team working on this and uh um so uh, to me, I think it's it's worthwhile because it's also just it's just part of impressions, right? It's just part of Moneris being out there in in the media, um, and hearing the name and seeing the brand and and recognizing the the brand as as a, a leader in that sector. And because uh, we are by numbers, but we may not be by reputation, and we need to be right. So the trust on you as a host. And as a brand voice is very important though. It's always that thing. Like we'd say tweets are my own. Yeah, they are until you say something 
right. naughty and then <laughs> they certainly are not your own and they're very much their you know the opinion of the corporation right so you've got think of how many sales folks you've got how many people that are speaking at events mm-hmm. like they are given scripts they are go through messaging workshops they go through like they have to do analyst preparation. Some people sure. have to be like media certified and and media trained, which I always laugh because people would be like, I was doing all the speaking for my company and they're like, and then we hired, we had a PR AR person that came in for analyst and, and press relations. And she's just like, who do we have that's media trained? And they're like, I know that you're, you are. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I just, <laughs> I just, I just happen to be the loudest voice in the company because I'm, yeah out there talking the most in, in events. So there is a real explicit trust in you as a brand voice in and out of the office. Yes. And that's not a loss on me. It's, 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 you know, it's a, it's a little stressful, but (laughs) no pressure, (laughs) no pressure. Um, But so far so good. Um, I've been lucky Uh, because the other thing is like doing, especially the yes, we were open. Well, even shop talk, there isn't a lot of oversight in terms of when I put an episode out, you know, it's not going through levels and levels of review, <laughs> which uh, right. would, would really stifle the the output. Right. Uh, it, I'm, they're trusting me to create the content. I mean, I'm getting help and support along the way, but in the end, the, the final result, uh, most, most people are hearing it for the first time when I hit publish. So that's, that's a little uh, nerve wracking, but, uh, but in a fun way, <laughs> again, yeah. I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for a while, so uh, I I kind of know what I can and can't say, and yeah, yeah. So this is what I think. Like, if if you're a company out there and you're thinking to yourself, we need a podcast, then the real question is, what well, we need somebody who's passionate about telling stories that happen to you know be from people that are close to our organization, whether they're team members, whether they're whatever, and. I trust that their passion is going to be valuable for others to listen to, which as a result will generate some level of brand association and brand recognition by us putting this product out there. Right. And I don't product. I hate to say, but like that's yeah, the content, is, right? but yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they, if you're a company, like this is the thing to do it. You don't just get a podcast. Like you get a QR code, like you get a website. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, no, what's cool. the, what is yeah. the thing you are, what is the actual thing you're trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Is it human storytelling? Is it, you know, generating clicks? Is it including downloads, getting subscriptions, whatever it is. And for you, it's like that trust that the storytelling is impactful enough that people will s- listen, stay, ask more about, huh, so what do you folks do? And now they're, you know, you read all the sales books, right? It's like 11 touches, you know, 11 touches with brand awareness, 24 touches with no brand, previous brand awareness, mm-hmm. you know, five touches with brand awareness and they're in the buying window. Like if you narrow down that that funnel thing to the point where it's like has budget in the buying window, qualified brand awareness. All right. Now they're bottom of funnel. They're a customer. They become a customer. But all of that stuff above is like awareness is so incredibly important. Hmm. And in fact, the best thing you can do is give stuff that's not a bloody infomercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I'm try my hardest to do that. Um, sometimes, you know, you have to ask the question uh, 
to to get the answer you're looking for. But and and that happens more on the shop talk side. But yeah, yes, we were open. My fo- my main focus is to tell the best story I can and to and to uh, uh, serve that that uh, business owner the best I can. Uh, you know, sometimes the stories are not as interesting, but again, it's still their story, uh, and I, I I try not to. You know, oh, I, I'm always careful not to misrepresent them, right? Uh, right. It's their story. Uh, I ask them, "What's the story you want to tell?" And and we do it. And then you know, I edit it all together and I send it to them. And say, "Is this okay? Is everything there? Did I misrepresent you at all?" And they're and usually, I mean, so far everyone's come back and said that's amazing, and and I've been really uh, really happy with the uh, results. So as long as uh, for me, uh, it's easy because I just focus on on them, um, and then trust that the results will happen on the other end because everything's rolling up to the same thing. We're, we're all just trying to get more awareness of, of Moneris as a, as a company and what we do and how we help businesses succeed. Um, so I think everything I'm doing is in service to that goal. So now you've hit the fun one, which I actually did a video on recently. Yeah. It's uh, I took a clip from a long full podcast and it was that idea that someone says, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's easy for you because you've like, you, you've done this or whatever. And like, they come along at this point in time and they'll say, Hey, yeah, you're, you're, you've been nominated for an award. You won an award. You know, you've got a, a company that stands behind you that puts budget and pays your salary. It must be easy. And at that point you're like, I, you just want to stick a pen in your eye and like trying not to just lash out at this person like i get that it looks that like this is a gimme like but it is not there's a lot of trust pre-work free work yeah that went into it that got you to the point where like music production you know Mm -hmm. like look rick rubin how many instruments do you play none what experience do you have in music production and sound engineering none how is he the top known <laughs> producer that's produced some of the greatest acts in history to the point where their sound is so identifiable? How can a person with no experience with what he says, I have no experience. He says, I have no engineering, but what has he done? He's made purpose in caring about understanding why something sounds good. Yeah. You can tell, I think there's a, you can tell the difference between somebody who's proficient at their work and somebody who loves their work. Right. And I think that's the the key, right? Rick, Rick, Rick Rubin loves music and probably takes the time to get to know whatever artists he's working with to love their art before they, he actually starts working with them. Uh, otherwise you just get somebody who's paid to be there and yeah, I'll do what I do proficiently and it'll sound good, but it may not have that you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. And you go to that extra, that extra mile to, to get it done uh, for sure. Right. I think that, I think the key ingredient, it's, it sounds cheesy, but it's love. It's, it's, it's passion about what you're doing. So. And this becomes the interesting thing of passion with practice. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll say is the sort of the way that I, I tend to approach it is how, how do we get to the point where you can turn passion into a, platform, a product, a job, a a thing that can sustain you because there is going to be free work 
there's going to be study, there's going to be practice that has to occur to get to this point, right? You know, when someone goes to Berkeley School of Music, they don't go because they want to learn guitar. They go because they're already proficient at it and they've got their they've got a passion to take it further, whether it's mm-hmm. purely mechanical that they want to solve a problem or they're just like, I play blues and I'm really, I want to be a blue, fantastic blues player. Another mm-hmm. one is like, I want to be a virtuoso. Different outcomes they're after, but they're going to do this thing. But all of this lead up to get them to the point where they're auditioning, that's not the start of the journey. That's the end of the first four chapters, right? right? Yeah. How do you, someone comes to you and said, Al, I want to be a podcaster like you. How do I do it? Just start. You just start. And uh, I mean, that's what I tell everyone. And because, uh, I mean, along the way, repetition is going to, this, uh, so doing the podcasting when I was in corporate training helped me on a mic, uh, it was just funny, right? I'm a musician. You'd think I'd be easy on a mic. I am when it comes to performing a, a song, but in terms of speaking publicly. So, you know, the first few years I spent at Moneris, I, I joined Toastmasters so I can become a better speaker on my feet because I realized nice. that while, you know, for example, when I'm playing a gig with my band in between songs, uh, I, I was woefully lacking in my, you know, chatting up the crowd. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't great at it. Right. I needed to work on that. And uh, Toastmasters really helped me with that. And that translated into when I started doing the podcasting for training, um, that repetition helped me get better at that. The Toastmasters helped that, you know, my interviewing skills, for example, um, I've been working on that a lot. uh, And, you know, I've got a lot of people to look up to when it comes to that, but it's, you know, I also have to create a, or come up with a style of my own in terms of interviewing. Um, and then when I started working with, on, on the, the podcast strategy for Moneris again, and, oh, and I have my personal podcast, my, the produce stand, uh, you know, that I do at home at home that I started during the, the pandemic, all of that is in service to my job. And talk about putting in free work. I mean, I, I make no money doing that. The, my, the produce stand, that's just for fun. I put a lot of time and effort into that just being for fun, but I do it because I know that I'm getting better. Every time I I'm, I put out a new episode, I've gotten better at it. And that one's very different from what I do for work, but there's still a lot of stuff that overlaps. That's And also I'm building a brand. I hate saying that, but I am. And and a name and people who know me from this will listen to that because I they know that I'm associated with that. It all, again, it all rolls up into, you know, the goal, the goal is to make what I do for a living succeed. And, and if I succeed, then uh, I get to keep on doing it. Remember when this was like, when we, the new media, like, cause I think that's when you kind of began and you, you had gone to, and I was sort of, you know, you and I had know, have known each other for a long time. So I know, yeah. I know your personal history, you know, you went from you know, we won't talk about Little Caesars. That's different. But <laughs> I hold up some crazy bread and see if you get PTSD from it. Oh uh, man, son <laughs> loves Little Caesars pizza. I can't even look at it. It's I'm so sorry. no, but no. You, Little Caesars. You went I to you went to Trebus, and you so you've gone down the road of like you know production and music and study of that the sort of the that side of things of performance and and production. But that was at the point when we had this thing called new media. It was, you know, macromedia flash was brand new and it oh, was shockwave. Wow. And, and 
it became like people sending DVD CDs. So then it wasn't even DVDs with like training things on it. And people were doing skins and, you know, we have Travis, uh, who was our, our friend and, and drummer, he, you, you and he went to school together and, you know, with Gerald and we've got, so yeah. all these people that came into the scene that was called new media, which is yep. like calling something the new iPad. You're like, what happens when there's one after this? <laughs> Does that mean it's old media now? Like, <laughs> funny there's certain acronyms like cbt before it was uh cognitive oh, yeah. uh, behavior therapy it was called computer-based training and that's what i did i i, I built cd rom training and yeah. <laughs> it was you know it was authored and basically it was the same uh skill set used for that that you know com- movie makers use for dvd authoring right like same thing like you're creating menus and you're get, making interactive and making people click and it's all it's playing a, it's showing this image it's playing this sound it's playing this video right all of that stuff but uh, and it was all manual basically we're ma- using these tools to build them manually now everything's like WYSIWYG and yeah just uh now you know you can get to probably ai to build you better training than uh, <laughs> than what's out there so but that thing of doing something that in that format didn't exist, I think is very important. And effectively, podcasting is right at the, it, I mean, it's at this point where there's so many of them that are coming up that you have to be deeply differentiated. But to be a successful podcast content creator, you have to take what's been done in other media, another yeah. medium, whatever, like, you know, and and be able to take that practice and that learning that style and then bring it over into this new new medium mm-hmm. and i think that's what was interesting and like i look at people say like what's you know who do you you know, listen to i'm like i'm careful because i don't listen to many podcasts because mm-hmm. i don't want to be influenced into a style because it's very right. easy to do that you hang around with somebody from halifax long enough and you say yeah go down the car you know like <laughs> you're, you're gonna say stuff that sounds like you you sound like them you have physical emulation of people when you're that close to them so there's that you can do it that way or you can do what i do and listen to so many that you 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 sponge it all up and have your own you know uh, version of what that is right it's it becomes like a a a mosaic of all the different uh styles that you listen to (laughs) that's the way i go (laughs) my so my influences were definitely like listening to really old school, like classic interviewers, which mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, you know, Larry King, yeah. uh, you know, Brian Linehan for those Canadian I was fans. About to, so, yeah, bring up Linehan. He's, he's the King up here for that. Yeah. And a very interesting style. He was, you know, not unlike sort of inside the actor's studio, that mm-hmm. idea of like James Lipton. Yeah. He was another right. one. Yeah. I loved him. Yeah. And Lipton had an incredible personal story, but like just the way that he approached it, I love that. And in fact, I was actually, my title for the podcast originally was going to be inside the technologist studio, right? <laughs> and this idea of like, can I go behind the person and get the story that led them to this thing? Like, great, you do this. You're a yeah. Kubernetes administrator and you're an author, right? But what what got you here? And then yeah. that's the stuff I, that I find compelling. And like what seemed like throwaway questions that can lead you to this incredible nugget Mm-hmm. that you're like oh wow but so that for me was like listening to successful interviewers and hearing the nuances of stuff now to the point where i've studied it so much so when i hear a new interviewer i'm like i can kind of tell who they read who yeah. they've listened to yeah. 
But that idea of like studying something else and then bringing that method in a way over, you know, how much do you, how much do you explicitly spend in studying other things versus maybe like passively taking it in? I, I'm a very passive. Yeah, I, I do. Like uh, Mark Marin is one of my favorite interviewers now. And I just love how easy he is with his interview subjects. But a lot of that just is out of familiarity, right? Like, I feel like I'm still, when it comes to interviewing someone for the produce stand, for example, I interview a lot of actors. And sometimes I'm interviewing somebody who I kind of admire and I'm giddy about talking to, and you can hear it in my tone. And I, and I'm not easy with them because I'm a fan. I'm too much of a fan still talking to them. Right. Whereas, you know, Mark Marin, he's been there, done that all, of, you know, he's got, he's had Obama in yeah. his garage while he was still president. So there's nobody who sits across from Mark Marin that gets him probably gets him, you know, starstruck or whatever. He just, he's able to just, settle into an interview and just have a conversation. And I'm working on that, having it just be a conversation. Like what we're doing now, I love it. It's 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 very conversational, but it also we have a history, you know, that goes back to high school. So, um, uh, you know, still trying to figure that out, you know, how to get to that point with, you know, people that I've just met for the first time and I'm interviewing. It It's a lot easier when you're in person. Like when I go out on the road to visit people for the Yes, We Were Open, it's easier then because you're in person. You're you've yeah, yeah. I've spent some time with them. I see what they're doing, and and we also have a lot of time to build a rapport. But especially you know now with the you know Teams meetings or, or Zoom meetings, man, it's tough. You log on, you have some you know you got quick second to make sure sound sounds good, and you're off. There's no rapport building, you know, unless unless you have time. Like you know, this is an hour long format, so you've got a bit of time, but. If you've got a you know twenty minute window or whatever or a fifteen minute or ten minute you know, heaven forbid, you don't have a lot of time for the rapport. You just have to you have time for your questions and that's it. Yeah, and that is why sort of production styles and and content styles are important because you can have the pure like the long form conversational interview, which is you know the, the niche that I went down and and I believe I'm I'm doing okay in you know like I've it's funny like now I get. I still have the relative nervous, like, okay, I got to make sure that, you know, this is, this is done well, right? How do I make sure there's no serious gaps? There's, you know, that we keep things moving, keep the conversation going, but it becomes so much easier now that when somebody comes on, I'll have a PR firm or like people just be like, Hey, do you want this person on your podcast? I'm like, cool. Three minutes of research, love it, set them up. They come on 15 minutes before they come on. I go check out their website, check their LinkedIn, and that's all I do. I actually purposefully make myself like uncomfortably new because I don't mm-hmm. want to have like preloaded, I'm going to ask this question, which will lead to me asking about this thing. Like I kind of know like here's like a thematic idea that I want to yeah. hit. And here are a couple of things of interest. And then ideally, you know, through that, I discovered the nugget that I'm really going to go after at 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the, that's where the new, the podcast actually starts at about 40 minutes <laughs> because of this style. Sure. But that it's, so it's funny when you say like, even though Mark Marin doesn't necessarily get Star Trek, starstruck rather, I would bet even as comfortable as he is, he still really is thinking about the products, like thinking about the quality of the conversation. 
And there is, we get way more comfortable with it, kind of like getting on stage. Or if someone says, hey, bust out your guitar and play a song, you're going to be able to do it because you're so practiced at it. Yeah. But you are, as you're starting, you're thinking, do I sound okay? Am I, have I got the right cadence? Is this the right audience? How are they reacting? Yeah. There is a continuous adjustment and measurement that goes on yeah. that requires that time and skill and practice. And, and preparation. I mean, I'm not a nervous performer in terms of uh, the, mu- the music part of it, and unless I'm unprepared. Right. If, if I'm going up there to play a song that I know front and back, if I'm going up there and I've got a set list and I'm, I know what I'm going to do, People are like, don't you get nervous going on them? No, I love it. I have so much fun. It's my bliss. Being on stage is my bliss. But if I go up there and I'm unprepared, that's when I'm nervous. And usually, so that's, you know, that was a hurdle I had to get over in terms of public speaking because I I was like that, right? Without a teleprompter or, or, you know, cue cards or whatever, I just got to get up and kind of speak off the cuff. I wasn't very good at that because I didn't know how to prepare for it. And I'm I'm getting better. Uh, I think I, you know, still have some work to do, but, um, yeah. So preparedness and, but I, I like what you're saying. And I mean, like another interviewer that, um, kind of comes to mind when you're talking about, you know, try to do as little preparation as possible because that'll drive the questions that you ask. Right. And I think yeah. about Bob McCowan, who's like, he used to host primetime sports whenever he had somebody on to talk about a book right off the top. So I've never read your book and I'm not going to, uh, and that's on purpose so that I ask you about the book, ask you to tell me about the book. Now, I feel like that's just a cop out and he's just being lazy and he doesn't want to read all a hundred books, thousand books that get sent to him every year. Right. But there is merit in what he's saying. Like if you're interviewing somebody about a piece of art that they're doing, but, and you've already experienced the art in whatever form, your questions now are more about what you want to know, as opposed to maybe about what somebody who, who hasn't experienced the art might want to know. The questions you ask will be different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So I think, even though in, 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 he might be doing it out of not laziness, but maybe just being too busy to be reading all these books. It makes sense if you're, you know, if somebody's coming on to to push a book or a movie or talk about a new album, you've never heard it. So you're asking the artist, talk about why we should listen to this as opposed to track number three on that was, I loved it because you did this, this, and that. No one's heard it. So you're not right. really... You know, you're just taught, you're basically, you're just talking to the artist about their art and whoever's listening may or may not care. Uh, I, there's, I think there's a, there's, is a kind of an intentionality there that's um, whether or not it was intentional, it, it makes sense for, for certain, uh, certain things. Yeah. I'll, it becomes accidentally intentional. I think is what yeah. often happens is that there's an organic thing in what I think this is the culmination. This is the. This is the top of the the bottom of the funnel. This is where it comes to a point. <laughs> what generates listenership and engagement? Because remember, you're engaging with a medium where you cannot see the audience. Right? It's different when I when we play on stage, yeah. we can you see if they're, if they're slowing down, mm-hmm. if they're not moving, if they're checking their phone, if they're going to the bar, they're going to the bathroom. You know, like all right, maybe this isn't the time to bust out the Tracy Chapman. Maybe we should, <laughs> you know, get into some STP. Like. Yeah. So we know we can adjust, we can steer. So you have to create that with no feedback loop, but you do it by the experience you've gathered through public performance, through engaging with just human conversation. What you're really doing, the product you create is curiosity. Yes. I love that. And it's true. Uh, Especially with uh, visiting these businesses and talking there, 
the more I know about them coming in, the more the the more preconceptions I have. I think the worse it is because I'm not telling their story anymore. I'm telling the the story that I think. A uh, great example. I know we're we're getting to an hour. I, I visited an auction house in Saskatoon, and I went in, and it was during the pandemic. And I thought the story was going to be. He couldn't wait for the the lockdowns to be lifted so he can have in person auctions again. This this is a this is a massive operation. They they were selling everything, auctioning off everything from produce to massive farm equipment and machinery and semi trucks and all that stuff. Like they did everything. And in the end, thankfully, I still asked the question and I said, "Are you looking forward to in person auctions?" And he said, "No. Why would I? I'm making way more money." doing everything online now and it's it's yeah. way more efficient the way i'm doing it i i need less property he's even talking about you know downsizing and everything so and i loved it it was a, it was kind of a twist ending right he's like wow i didn't i didn't see that happen uh, coming and he said i may do it every once in a while as a novel thing like maybe once a month or whatever we'll do an in-person auction but we move way more product doing everything online because that's the way people are are shopping now and and yeah yeah also your audience, your, your, your uh, the people you're, you're selling to aren't just regional anymore. It, you know, it's more national or worldwide. So it was just an interesting thing where if I'd gone in kind of knowing more about auction houses, I didn't, I knew nothing. So that was good. So I got to ask him and he got, he had fun telling How me. How important about, is the microphone? <laughs> right, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was right, almost right. like seemingly throwaway Larry King style questions, which are funny that they're actually well-crafted with purpose, but yeah. it sounds like a, a weird, like non sequitur throwaway thing, but you're like, no, no, there's a reason he's asking this. There's, yeah. there's something behind it. <laughs> so yeah, it was just another lesson I learned early on. It's like, Oh yeah. I mean, you should know something about the, you know, you should know the name and the people in it and stuff like that and what they do. But yeah, let your curiosity. I love what you said there. You're, you're selling curiosity because you're, if you're the conduit for the audience who knows nothing about what, what the subject matter is, you should probably learn along with them as, as you're learning, they're learning, hopefully. So you're asking the questions they'd be asking as opposed to questions that you think they'd be asking. Yeah. It's uh, as the, famous thing of like how do you engage them in a way that makes them like like lean and i literally do this when i do public speaking and i've been lucky enough to practice over time like when i was in grade five i won a speech competition and then when i went to the like regional thing where it was like four schools i lost my spot like i i mm. had memorized i lost my point in the in the speech yeah. and i froze and I sat down and I fought off tears oh. and I came away from that thinking there's two ways that I can go about this. I mean, I, 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 I didn't really think that as it was in grade five, I was mm -hmm. just thinking I, I want to cry and I hope no one sees me. That's really what I was thinking. But in hindsight, like, as I looked at what was that experience, it's like, I never want to feel that feeling again. Yep. So what am I going to do about it? And it became mm -hmm. either I'm going to not do this ever again, or I'm going to figure out how to get away. If I lose my place, how do I get back on track? And I have yeah. dyslexia, ADHD, mm -hmm. all the markers for like, there's no way this is going to be successful in the yeah. career of memorization. But what I learned to do was adapt, to listen, to pull back to cues, to circle back, and then look at the engagement. It became way more important to me of what the engagement was. And then when I got to bigger audiences and I make myself uncomfortable doing it, and I would get there and I call it talking to 5,000 people at once mm. where you're looking at this room of people 
and you can see their like everything like i said and the point is like you want them to go like like lean forward where they're like they're actually like moving with you it's like when you watch somebody do a snowboard jump and you lift your knees up like you right right <laughs> you're actually actively involved in this conversation you are engaged yeah and so you take those lessons and now do it with no screen with no audience can I do that? And you do it. You do it really well. And, oh, and thank you. I it's, appreciate that. It, it's from all the things that you've done that, as you say, sort of culminate together where you now are given the opportunity to like narrow, like we're, we're going to do this and we're going to do it fantastically. Mm -hmm. oh, I appreciate you saying so. <laughs> now, what's next? Ah oh, man, you're asking, you're you're sounding like my coworkers. I just keep doing it. I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah, you can't just write. You can't just be like, all right, let's do twelve episodes a year and uh, done and um, done. No, so season four I'm working on right now, and uh, I'm I'm planning on a trip out to uh, New Brunswick and and hopefully to Montreal for that season. So in March, so I'm looking forward to to doing that. I mean, one of the byproducts of this has been seeing the country, which is great. Like. You know, yeah. I went to Saskatchewan and I went to BC. I've, I've, I'm, uh, you know, seen lots of, of Ontario that I haven't seen before. And now I'm going out to New Brunswick. I'm loving this. I, I'm hoping, I, you know, I'm hoping to visit the territories if I can, or, you know, like get, get uh, up to none of it or something. Cause that would be amazing. Like, I don't know how logistically how to get up there. That doesn't involve a small Cessna plane and me. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. Uh, the reason and, why it's called none of it is because when people see how cold it is, they want none of it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there are some boundaries there that I, I'm not sure I can cross, but I'll, I'd like to try. Uh, it's funny. I would love like, to I'm, see the yeah. vlog of you on a dog sled <laughs> going into some like Arctic town and like interviewing somebody. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to to experience that. I was in BC uh, interviewing a climbing gym, and and the owner said, uh, "She's like, do you want to climb?" I'm like, "No, no, thanks." Because <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm I'm not Rick Mercer. I'm not here to do the stunts. I'm just here to do the interview. Uh, if this were a visual uh, podcast, like a video uh, podcast. Uh, they'd have to get a different host because I'm I'm a, I'm too much of a chicken shit to do that. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, though, what's interesting is, you know, have you thought about adding that extra layer of media? Like, is there a video elements that you you want to bring in? It's uh, it's something you know, I yeah they are they ask me a lot at work and actually there's a chance that they may be sending a videographer on the road with me this time we'll see it depends on timing and and resourcing and stuff like that so again I've, it's been a one man show up until now I, I've gone on my own I've done all this so adding another person you know adds a little bit of a, a more planning to it and 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 stuff uh, so that might be something that happens but that would be more to provide kind of more behind the scenes thing like I think it'll be a while before. Yes, we are open becomes a video podcast. I don't know yeah, if yeah. that'll ever happen because a I've got a face for radio, and b uh, it you know it it just it takes this very efficient kind of run show that I'm producing, and it's adding some complexity to it that now you'd need a bigger team. And it may I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but uh, I think uh, I think we're a little ways away from that happening. Well, and, and this is an interesting thing, you know. I I don't want to. I don't want to pick on people, but like, well, trust me, I'm, I know I'm, I'm a six with humor. <laughs> so like, if I don't get a talk, if I don't get a chance to talk, then I'm like, I'm a, I'm a 4.5 at best. 
So <laughs> I, I'm good with that. I'm pretty comfortable with that. So uh, what's interesting is like you look, so Casey Neistat's a good example, like a fantastic documentarian storyteller looks like he's been hit in the head with a shovel. Like he, <laughs> he is not a picture perfect act. Like he's a good sure. looking guy, like in it, yeah. but in a unique way, like there are people that have unique styles. Yeah. And I think that the, the storytelling transcends the, you know, and you're not, you're, you're a good looking dude, you know, and it's like, I know you've got a charisma that really comes through yeah. in so many of your expressions. But I'm, I'm no Rick Mercer. I'm not I'm not willing to skydive for my art or go bungee jumping with Rick. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or skinny dipping with Rob Ray. I'm not going to do those things, you know. Um, but the fun so- thing is you can probably just even just adding that thing, even that thing of saying like, you're going to do this. You're like, no. Like that yeah. almost could be the trademark of like, hey, do you want to go up on the wall? Like. Mm-mm. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 so much about the power of the of yes, but yeah, in in those cases, I'd be like, yeah, that's you can't. You that's a hard no. That's a hard no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you when you look at the options, like, hey, who have we got a chance to interview? You're like skydiving company, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, underwater, uh, you know, oasis uh, restaurant. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I might do that one. That one might be interesting. Yeah. No, I would do the skydiving company too, but I'd be interviewing them on the ground. Right, exactly. <laughs> Before you go up there, can I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get B-roll of your people yeah. landing and then starting the interview. Like that's. Yeah. I'm going to send my video guy up with you and 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 he can go. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, there is a there is a passion to you wanting to experience their story in first hands that comes through in how you guide them through the conversation and and again whether you're getting on the rock wall or not mm-hmm. it is it's apparent to me because i study this as a like a, i spend way too much time actually studying this stuff but you do it without having studied it you do it naturally which is again it's rare and it's incredible to see it come out with relative ease but it's not like I know you've got so much you bring to it and practice you brought to it that it but it, it is it's so obviously beautiful to hear it and know that it's intentional and it and you're curious and you care and like it's it's I don't know I'm I'm a fan just because you know I learn from you you know all the time it's uh you know and I say it we're, as we go talk about another podcast classic is the old radio thing we used to call it the Howard Stern close. Mm-hmm. Where like you you see how long you can get people to hang on. <laughs> people are sitting outside their office building at nine thirty in the morning, going like, "Come on, I got to hear the end of the story." <laughs> oh, I have that. I, there's a few podcasts like that where I'm I'm like that. I'm like I'm in the car. I come on, finish it up, will you? And yeah, hit it two times speed. Still, yeah, it's still taking forever. But, but that used to be a book that the what we call the Howard Stern close was the idea that because it was a live show, there was no rebroadcast. You didn't yeah. have a chance right. to go back and listen to it. Oh. So they, but to capture that element and understand that element and then bring it through, even when you know someone's gonna like get out of their car, go into the grocery store, come back and restart the sentence where it left off. <laughs> it's great. And I appreciate uh, the kind words. It's been uh again, I'm pinching myself that I'm I get to say that I'm a podcaster for a living because it's uh this is this is the second career I've had that didn't exist when we were in high school. <laughs> yeah. The first one was was e-learning. What the hell right. was that? That that was that uh, was invented what in 2000? 
Yeah. What was E, right? It, we was, yeah. it was before, thank goodness, we got e-learning before we had uh, for the iPod because it would have been i-learning, yeah. I'm sure, when yeah. there was like i-everything for a while there. But uh, And now and now podcasting. Like if, if you told, uh, you know, a 16-year-old Al in, in, in Holy Trinity High School yeah. <laughs> in 1990, whatever, that, uh, oh, you're going to be uh, an e-learning developer and then a podcaster. I'd be like, uh, what and a what now? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like even remember, like, you know, even talk about blogger, you mm -hmm. know, and blogger was like, why is it called a blog? Because it was a web log. Yeah. But it was yeah. really hard to say web log. So they would just call it a blog. And it, <laughs> it and it's funny if you say it fast enough, it becomes almost like the, you know, the Robert Law Blah Law Blog, you know, the Law Blah Blah Law Blog. <laughs> but that that thing didn't exist. And then it became vlogging, it's video blogging, you know, mm -hmm. and YouTubing, where it's we we have sort of a real deep brand attachment to it there, but like, this is cool because this, this thing that didn't exist carries forward lessons from a thousand other places mm -hmm. and then brings them into this new medium. So then the cool thing is going to be, there's going to be something beyond this, yeah. which will be an interactive, you know, whether it's, that's why I'm, I'm watching and studying streamers and long form hmm. stuff and like the, the, the that's phrase, interesting but... i remember you know back in the day i mean my son he's 16 now but i remember wa watching him watch somebody else play a video game for hours and hours on end going how is that remotely entertaining like why are you wouldn't you just want to play it yourself but yeah i mean twitch has just exploded and and that yeah. is an interesting one that uh i'd have to i guess you know research and 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 look into but uh it's i don't i don't get it yet but um, I'm sure there's value in it. I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. And, and that really becomes a matter of like audience. So because I've got a very deeply technical audience, part of what I'm doing when we do like live broadcasts, I want to have this thing where I'm like, how do I understand how long form mm. with lots of gap and dead space engagement goes? Like, can you do that? And I've been able to take, because we do long form podcasts, when I did an event in Vegas, we were we were broadcasting for like seven hours. Oh yeah. I logged into that for a bit. Yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> and it's fun to think of like, can you take that and then make a way that you can create chapters within it? So mm -hmm. there is a way that you can sort of slice it up and you, you, you talk through the conversation knowing where you have to create a logical mm -hmm. gaps to, for a producer to go back and, and get later on. But it's, so for me, it's a real form of like understanding how engagement works, why they're successful, learning styles, and then uh, and not becoming a debate bro, which apparently is like sort of like what the the mm -hmm. pejorative that gets attached to because the they were doing streaming, but then they would start talking to their friends and then they would talk about a thing that was controversial and they would end up in a debate. And this became this thing where all these game streamers all of a sudden are doing these huge like panel debates mm -hmm. about current topics. And so it's very interesting because you think like, well, what does somebody that plays, you know, Fortnite know about, you know, American politics? Right. It, well, yeah. you don't know that maybe they have a political science degree and maybe they're, uh, you know, real sort of community activists and they want to get people out to get them to vote. So they may have this secondary thing mm -hmm. that you don't understand. They're taking the uh, spoonful of sugar approach. They're <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're burying some good stuff in, in the, in the mindless. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, um, I see I, right now it feels a lot like uh, the, the the streaming anyway um, of long form, whatever. 
feels a lot like you know back when reality shows started like big brother when it first started and you can onto their site and you actually could watch the stream like in real time stream in real time and they may just be sleeping like but you're still oh wow i can that's happening right now and i'm watching it right now um and i feel like twitch is kind of at that point they haven't gotten they haven't evolved yet to whatever that might become where where it becomes useful but anyway uh yeah it's it yeah, things are always changing. And like I said, my last two careers now, or my last career and my present career are are two things that I wouldn't have dreamed I'd be doing because they didn't exist. So yeah. we'll see. It's it is it, we need to see, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a there's a third. It's like and it, there's ways like do you end up building a team? Do you go to a different, you know, an additional medium and then you add yeah. video and then you have different I have no doubt side. video will creep into it somehow because there's just I mean, especially like we talk about SEO, right? I mean, YouTube is a huge SEO engine in terms of right. Right. And and so um, I know there's a lot more work being done to to add more content there. Um I don't necessarily need to be part of that, but if I am, then I'm happy to to help and we'll see what, what that turns into. Um, Cause yeah, I'm, I'm excited I'm at the notion of having somebody coming with me on these trips that can take some video because some of the stuff I've seen has been great. And all I can do is, is explain it and, and try to describe it as best as possible. And I do snap some pictures with my crappy phone, but um, it would be good to have somebody there to, to capture some of the really cool visual stuff. Like I'm about, you know, and I'm going to visit a mining company in New Brunswick and I can't wait because I've never done that before. And uh, it'd That's be nice cool. to, to capture visuals of that. So we'll see. Yeah. And, it, and this is an interesting thing of like, and I, I know we're, we're over time and hopefully I'm not cutting into your meetings. Cause I, uh, no. I, I only, I, I, I partly own the company so I, I can get away with this. <laughs> you know, you know, the boss. <laughs> exactly. But um, at what, is there a risk where the job becomes a job? Do you ever have concern that like, mm. when I think about, I like the creative aspect of vlogging, but I don't like the idea of me purposefully vlogging. Like I like that it I I have to be almost ad hoc with it. That's my my brain works that way because I don't want to think like I know how to plan shots, I know how to plan scenes, I know how to plan the story, but the idea of me like being in an airport going like I do it, yeah. but I I don't want to do it as a career because I don't want it sure. to be well. I don't I don't want it to be scriptable in a way. I, so going back to musicians, because we're both musicians, the part I always make the joke and no one ever gets it as a joke, but basically at the end of the night, you've had a show, you're tired, you're sore, you're sweaty, but it's, it's a great show. And now is the part they actually pay you to do, which is take your crap down, load your car up and go home. That's <laughs> the hard part. That's the part you get paid for. Cause the other part you do for free. So I'm not at that point yet with, uh, with this, that I'm like, um, saying, oh man, okay, this is the part they're paying me for because the rest of it is free. But, uh, but I'm not gonna lie to you. By the end of the the like a season of Yes, We Are Open, you know, week seven, week eight, I'm I'm just like, oh, I can't wait till this is over so I can not think about this for a while, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But, but that's just because of the rigor of of you know putting out a an episode a week over eight straight weeks and you know keeping ahead of the your your published schedule. It's it there's, you know, it's stress involved and, and a lot of, uh, late nights. Um, but then, you know, so that's the nice thing of, you know, doing two seasons a year with four months in between is you have four months of, 
you know, decompressing, like you're still working on other stuff, but it, it's not that, that hardcore schedule all the time. Right. And as much as I try to stay ahead of it and think, Oh, next season will be different. I'll have more stuff prepared. It never happens because there's always stuff that comes up. Like I'm still trying to find enough people to, you know, to participate in season four. Right. So yeah. yeah. It's because you're working with business owners who have their own business that they need to worry about. They don't care whether or not they're impeding your schedule or not. Uh, they've got their own stuff to worry about. So I get it. And so you're kind of at their whim. Right. Um, but yeah, there's times where it feels like work, but it's still work that I'm enjoying. Um, and the payoff is like, still really good until when it stops being that way, then that's when you start, you know, looking at something else, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm anywhere near that yet. Yeah. And it's, uh, I definitely recommend as we get into these things, it's funny when you sort of begin to look back and you've already, you've got a very good sense of retrospection, like in going back to like, cause as a musician, you get the same thing too. When you decide to play a, a you know, why is John Mayer, doing so well and why if i play a john mayer song am i going to do well right you 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 in, almost inherently tap into who's his audience what was his background who were his influences and you kind of naturally sort of as a creative mm -hmm. go further into even if it seems like idle study uh, yeah. or passive study than than most people who are just like i don't know it sounds good to me you know mm -hmm. like they all they care is like it makes me feel good when i hear it yeah but you know, folks like you and I, we're, we we nerd out a little harder about it. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up because um, the guitarist in my current band is a big John Mayer fan. And he's an amazing guitarist, but he's a young guy. He's like 27, 28 years old. So when I'm like, really, John Mayer? But when I think of it, I was like, wait a minute. If you're 20, you know, in your 20s and you're a really good guitarist, who are your idols right now? Because I know when we were growing up, yeah, we had Stevie Ray Vaughan. We had uh, Eddie Van Halen. We had... Um, you name the guitarist, right? That we could look up to. Eric Clapton yeah, was yeah. still relevant, you know. Uh, but now, right now, who are the guitarists, right? It's it's you know Jack White maybe, and 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 yeah, John Mayer, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he is a, a he's a really good guitarist, and his influences. Yeah, you're right. Like for for one of us, maybe to say, oh, it's John Mayer, but okay, but he's influenced by some really great musicians, and that's how you kind of you kind of you know. Uh, say it's okay we can play john mayer because he's he's cool because he likes cool people <laughs> yeah and it's that's what i that's why i like that that curiosity to mm. know more about why why it's impactful is so good and that's what, what creates the passion right like we say like turn your passion into a job well why is it passionate because you don't just like punch the clock you don't just be like okay i'm going to start at nine i'm going to end at ten it takes me exactly one hour to do this thing you're like oh nito we've got somebody who's coming on and they're from a mining company i'm like you know what do i know about mining like maybe i should do a quick bit of research like just for fun you're like yeah. you know and then you hear about what they do and then after the podcast you're like oh i'm gonna check this out now now you're like on wikipedia digging around mm. for stuff like yeah. that's you have that curiosity and as long as you're curious mm -hmm. the listener will be yeah fingers crossed hopefully <laughs> well they will be and uh so good luck into the next award season <laughs> i know an award-winning podcaster that is fantastic <laughs> what a what a blessing i get all you have to do is submit all you have to do is submit and then let you know let the chips fall where they may <laughs> well and tell you like you said just start just submit 
just begin, yeah. just do it, right? Like it is, it only happens when you try and sometimes it sucks to try and learn, you know, in the dark with no audience or worse, you learn when somebody, the only people that will make a comment or they have the time, they have the passion to hate you. They'll write <laughs> a negative comment, you know, mm-hmm. like, I get it. I don't have a good microphone voice. I have, you know, poor diction. Gotcha. <laughs> don't need to hear it in the comments. <laughs> but hey, I'm having fun and people seem to dig it. So I, I'm good. I can weigh the 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 good with the bad on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you telling it the story of when you started your podcast and, and you were told by your, your boss that you, you maybe you don't need to do it anymore. And so you stopped, but then you noticed there was like one person listening. So you felt the need to wait, if one person's listening. I got to keep doing this, right? So you're not doing it for the numbers of people, but if, you, if you're doing it for the potential of somebody who's interested in what you have to say. And, uh, and it like, if you're like me, that that's what keeps you going, right? It's like, Oh, people are interested in this. So yeah, I want to keep doing this because a, it's fun and B, People want to know more. So let's let's keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, look at the whole industry of observational comedy is born of this, right? That's yeah. you they are curious about a thing that you didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And that's what's fun about it. So well, observational podcasting, curiosity as a service, and yes. award-winning content that's well deserved. Uh Thank you. Al Grego. If folks do want to, we'll have obviously links below in the show notes that no one will click because they don't click the show notes because they're listening on a on an yeah. iPhone. But if they do want to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Well, on on uh, Twitter, I'm at pftw uh, pftw on Twitter, and that's where I do most of my socializing, social mediaing anyway. For now, as long as Twitter is still uh, going. Uh, so, <clears throat> and then, uh, yes, we are open podcast.com is where you can, uh, find, uh, yes, we are open Moneris.com where you can find, uh, some of the, like, uh, the shop talk podcast as well. So, but if you just follow my Twitter, every time a new episode comes out, I'll, I'll tweet about it. That's, that's the best place to find it. And that is, uh, and there's lots of other great things there. So we'll see you on the road, hopefully again in soon as we, you know, the musical world lights up again and, and, you know, we, we find you going to exotic places and, uh, who knows, maybe we see you on that rock wall before the, uh, before oh, the man. year's done. <laughs> I've been playing, we've been playing a week, uh, weekly up here. Yeah. Uh, you've so- got lots of, you're, you're a busy gentleman. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, as soon as bars were able to open, uh, we, uh, we started playing, I'm, I'm, I'm booked one uh, once a month through 2023 so uh we're happy with that and that's as much as i can do right now once a month is fine for me i, I can't do more than that thank okay, you i'll just go back for a moment and say that when you talked about your guitarist being a young guy and he's 27 you know that we were all like in bands for a long time before we even turned 27 and now he's oh. a young guy like isn't that this how did this oh. happen now, i still think of you as the guy driving you know, around with a bunch of crazy bread in the back. And uh, we were on the way to Travis's house uh, to, to play yeah. in his bedroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sweating it out in the yeah. in the third floor of this loft. <laughs> Those oh, are the days. Yeah. But now I'm the old guy in the band and he's the young punk who doesn't know, uh, you know, are you going to go my way by Lenny Kravitz? You know, a song that I've probably played a kajillion times that I, you know, I don't need to play again, but uh, the crowd wants it. So. 
That's it. I think I still remember playing that song at Holy Trinity. Uh, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> 90, 93 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Boy, oh boy. It, it was many good times were had and many good times are ahead. So Al Grego, thank you very much. And uh, folks do check out the podcast is fantastic. And uh, if you want to learn about podcasting, listen to it because that's uh, it's one of the ones in like I said, stylistically that's as worth studying and understanding why it, why it matters. So for new podcasters, get a diverse set of sources, but yours is clearly one that, that hits the mark. And, uh, you know, and a lot of work went into making it sound like you just get on mic and make it happen. So congrats on getting recognition for it, but just congrats on, it's a job. That's yes. amazing. Professional I know. Podcaster. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right. PFTW on the Twitters. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Now look at that. <laughs> Even got the shirt for those folks that are watching it on YouTube. <laughs>